Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my non-binary friends, welcome to this week's episode of the What The Fluff Podcast. I'm super excited, man. This is going to be a little different of an episode. We're not going to be talking about peace over happiness or how to deal with a certain situation. What we're actually going to do is I kind of figured that I've been talking a lot about these things and I've alluded to certain things that happened in my life. And so I wanted to take an episode to sort of walk you through my own journey of healing. Um, I don't know, hopefully, well, not hopefully, but I'm hoping that by sharing this, that there's, you know, maybe someone who has gone through something similar and, and might maybe not see a light on the other side or just the more that people hear their own story, the less alone everyone feels. And so if by sharing mine, if I can make one person feel less alone and maybe feel a little bit more hopeful, that is something that I want to do. So I, let's just get into it, man. It's just me. So there's no point in, in wasting anyone's time. Um, so hello, my name is John Schaefer. Uh, no, I'm not going to start off like that. Um, so I'm 29 years young. I grew up in Orange County, California to a single mother. Uh, long story short, this is actually, I will never tire. Well, I might tire of telling this story now because it doesn't have the best ending uh, as it originally did. But my uh, a little synopsis of just my journey is that I was raised by a single mother um, when my parents uh, found out they were pregnant with me. My dad was in the process of getting a divorce uh, in another relationship. Long story short, um, because that was an existing family, he decided to stay with them. And before I, I to which I held no grudge, uh, well, I'll get more into that. But that basically left my mom and myself. Um, she raised me by herself. I had a stepdad from, I think, 8 to 11 or 9 to 12, uh, who unbeknownst to me, was an alcoholic and ended up actually being um, abusive to my mom. And that is one of the biggest things that I still think about today. Um, again, as, as children, we never want to see our parents hurt. We never want to see our parents upset. There are, are rocks and they're so strong for us. And so I remember the morning after th there was a big incident between my parents, I had no idea it happened. Um, I just remember my mom had stitches in her forehead or uh, in her temple. And she was like, yeah, you know, I, I was at Dietrich's Coffee and, and I, uh, I, I bent down and then I went to stand up and I kind of just scratched the side of my head. I'm a, I'm a child. I have no idea. That that's like a suspicious fucking story that I should be a little bit more aware of. So I was like, okay, cool. Thanks, mom. And I didn't find out until years later that something had transpired. And that is a hard one to reconcile with because as a child of a single mom, we want our parents to be happy and the natural, well, not the natural, what happened with our relationship, which can happen with 
single parent, which can happen with any actual parent household, is we had a very codependent relationship. I was an extension of my mom. We were inseparable. But if you think about it, that's what, what other options do I have? I used to always get so upset. I had this one kid who would always call me a mama's boy. And it used to upset me so much until I got to the point where I'm like, what else would you like me to do? There's no dad here. So I can't quite be a father's boy. I only have my mom who's cool. I'm not going to be a dick to her just to not be a mama's boy. Like, what are you? No, fuck you. What are you doing? And so my mom and I had a very, very, very close relationship. And that continued throughout my entire adulthood until about two to three years ago. Um, we had the type of relationship, like I said, it was, it was codependent and it's something that we're still working on, um, right now. Uh, that's like an active ongoing thing to kind of heal and go through all those past traumas, which again, I will get to, uh, because the thing is you don't realize the things that happen as your childhood as someone who quote unquote had a perfect childhood. I mean, I was never abused um, by my parents or, or anything like that. I went to great schools. I didn't have very many friends, but I had video games. Video games were my friends as a youth. And that was, there were times where my mom was like, can you go and do something? And I would cry because I'm like, no, this is what I have. These are my friends. This is like, you don't understand how important this is to me. And that is where my relationship with video games started. But it was always the two of us. We were always together. And you don't realize that those things, while not being unhealthy on the outside, are actually... I didn't know. I wasn't learning how to relationship. I wasn't learning how to have a healthy balance of a relationship with another person all the way until my, uh, my last relationship. So basically what had happened was, um, those of you who have been around on stream, you know, Shelly, my ex and still one of my best friends in the entire world. We were going out for about two years at the time. And then um, I started going to therapy or I had a, a life coach who used to be a therapist. And Shelly had mentioned to me a couple times about the codependency with my mom throughout our relationship. And it had gotten to a point where I tried to set boundaries with my mom. Those boundaries weren't being received well, or at least being respected uh, to the degree that I require them to be respected by those close to me in my life. Um, and it started with my mom and I having a little bit of tension. And I was, I was finally at a point where I needed the space. I was realizing, I, although I didn't have the language for it, to know that the codependency was finally something that I was outgrowing and I needed to be independent, I didn't have the words to describe that. All I knew is that when my mom was reaching out to me or, or I was feeling a little bit overbeared on by her, I would feel anxiety and I would feel upset. And then it came to when Shelly, even when it was just like us hanging out or something like that, I would feel 
this sort of tension. And again, one of the things, not again, but one of the things that I, I, I've started to learn as I've, I've started to grow from this is that I never knew how to articulate the emotions I was feeling. I was a 70 and sunny there. I had no problems in the world. I had no trauma as a child. My mother loved me. I had a good job. I was doing great. Like, I didn't know what sadness was when people were like, I'm feeling depressed. I was like, what is that? How does one even do that? Life is awesome. It makes no sense to me. But one of the things that Shelly would always try and, and open my mind to was that, dude, you're supposed to be sad. Like, you're supposed to have a varying level of emotional experience through life. Like, that's what life is. And I'm like, uh, you're wrong. Happiness is the way to go. Why are you like sad sometimes? Because you can be happy. You know that, right? Like it's super easy. Just go to the gym. I was so unaware of life, essentially. Because also, like I said, on top of having the amazing job, I'm tall, I'm white, I'm straight, I'm a dude, I'm attractive. I haven't had a struggle in life. So not only did I have nothing in like my life that really made me struggle, but I didn't have any socioeconomical or like outside worldly things also trying to mess with me. And so I'm starting to feel all this tension around Shelly and my mom. And it led to a point one day. And I, I still... This is one of the worst and, in a way, strongest moments of my life. Um, because it was, I want to say a Saturday, like a Saturday or Monday morning or just a morning. I had an audition that Shelly helped me get ready for. I was feeling so much angst, so much upsetness, so much sadness. Shelly and I had already taken a break. I flew to Colorado to hang out for a week. And, you know, when we, we talked about a lot of our relationship after the fact, and she always told me, she's like, I knew that when you went to Colorado that we were breaking up. She's like, I didn't. I wanted to believe that you wanted to make it work. And the truth was I did. I feel like there was a part of me that knew it was over, but also because I didn't know, like I thought that that, I, I was at a point where it's like, I thought you had to be with someone forever. So it was, there was the part of me that was feeling that I knew I wanted to be single, but then there was that other part that society was telling me that just an unhealthy learning of emotions and, and, and feelings and people and communications and stuff that part of me was saying, nah, dude, you got to get out of this. But I didn't know how to articulate that. I thought I had to stay. But anyways, she helped me get ready for an audition. I got ready. I, I did my audition. I came back. Literally, I sat in the middle of our living room. I started to kind of cry. She's like, what? And I said, I think we should break up. I, I'm, not, I'm not happy. I don't, this isn't working for me anymore. And 
why I even felt conflicted saying that this was the worst moment. Like I, this is the worst moment because I hate that I surprised the person that I loved most with such an awful surprise. That, that poor woman had no indication at any point during that day, during that, like she, she, we, we, she didn't know that that was just about to happen. And then I was given one of the most beautiful gifts in the form of an awful circumstance, which was, this was the beginning of March, 2020. So we broke up right in the beginning of there. Throughout the month, we decide uh, I'm going to, I've found a studio that I'm going to go and move into. She decided that she was potentially going to go move back to Colorado and then boom town. COVID hits. Now, Shelly's an amazing human being. She's responsible. She also happens to be old as fuck and is 10 years older than me. Shelly, you know, I'm, 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 I'm teasing here. Uh, jokey jokes, everybody. It's okay. She knows she's old. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but she's 10 years older than me. She has, she's, she was more, way more responsible financially for way longer than I had been at that point. And when I tell you that we still loved each other, like that, that is so true. So this amazing woman who just had her heart broken decides, you know what? You're going to be making no money. You don't have that as much as in savings as I do. We don't know how long this is going to happen. What if we both stay living in the apartment until we figure something out? So we live together, broken up from March until the beginning of August. I started the stream during all of this. And why I say that that was one of the most beautiful gifts was we got to talk I'd say at least an hour to two every other day about our relationship and what happened. And what we were able to figure out was that we're, our relationship was codependence. I wanted her to do everything that I wanted to do with me. Um, I, 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 like her attention was, was what made me happy. But on top of the fact that we actually did have a great friendship. So it wasn't one of those where it was strictly codependency, but the codependency was so strong that it didn't allow us to be the people that we wanted to be. And she was um, working through stuff with her family and her own past. And one of the most beautiful gifts we gave each other was the ability to just talk about everything, was the ability to say, hey, this is what you did that kind of this isn't right, or why didn't you communicate this to me, or what is this feeling? And during the course of that, I got to, got to get some beautiful books, some beautiful knowledge, and that really began my understanding or my, my journey of figuring out who I was, because at that point, my relationship was happy, my happiness. Like that was what made me happy was the fact that I was happy. So now I have the glass shattered and I realize that there's an actual world that I have to live in. How am I supposed to do this? So 
one of the things that I did was got into, I, I moved away from my life coach, uh, therapist, and then actually started seeing a real therapist. And that was beautiful. That was absolutely beautiful. I started to read some books. Um, some of the books that are, have taught me the most are Glennon Doyle's uh, Untamed, Justin Baldoni's Man Enough, Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. I have started but have not completed the Untamed Journal by Glennon Doyle, which is basically the book put in journal form to help you free yourself. Basically, Man Enough and Untamed, uh, Man Enough being the male version, uh, quote unquote male version, and Untamed being the quote unquote female version of the story of freeing yourself. And what I had realized and have still been unlocking things even until the last month is how much I didn't know who I was. My happiness was the phone call with my mom, the hanging out with my girlfriend, the go and do sports, go and do your job, and then just get attention from people. But it was in ways that I, that weren't making me happy. It's, even as I'm reflecting on it now, it's LA is such a, a strange time in my life because it was the beginning of adulthood. It was when I was figuring myself out. I had issues with cocaine. I had to have throat surgery because of it. Um, I decided to go sober from cigarettes and alcohol because that wasn't working for me. I mean, I've been sober from cocaine as well. I've been sober from cocaine, cigarettes, and alcohol. Uh, cocaine, I think, geez, no, four or five years. No, three or four years. And then alcohol and cigarettes. Cigarettes will be, uh, alcohol will be four years in March. And cigarettes will be five years in November, either four years or five years in November. Um, and those, those as well were, I didn't realize there's an aspect in, uh, there's something that Glennon Doyle talks about her knowing and the knowing is as simple as it sounds yet as difficult to practice as you think. It's just the knowing of what is right for you. It's sitting in something and sitting in a moment and trusting that you know what is right for you. And one of the things that I didn't even realize is that for so long, my body was telling me what was right for me and what was wrong for me. It was making me feel like booty cheeks the next day. And yet still, I decided to engage in the behavior and it got to a point, at least with cigarettes and alcohol, that I won a jujitsu tournament. And I went out that very evening, smoked a pack of cigarettes and drank until I was blacked out. And I woke up the next day and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I celebrated an incredible athletic achievement by trashing my body to the point where I wouldn't be able to perform what I just did in this state because of how I thanked myself for what I did. What am I doing? And that's sort of where I'm at with, with weed. 
in that my body is is actually choosing smarter things now. Even when I'm all gone, even when the the munchies might take over, I'm choosing healthier snacks. I'm choosing healthier dinners. And I'm just in touch with what is making me happy. And I journal in the mornings. And I write down how I'm feeling and I write down what I'm grateful for. And I've written down lists of the things that I love to do so that I know when I'm feeling a certain way, I, I know that these things in my knowing are going to bring me some joy. It might be difficult to start, but gosh darn it, by the time I finish, I'm going to feel better. And that's the gym, that's journaling, that's going for a walk. That's just holding and petting puppies, even if he's annoying the shiz balls out of me. And so in, in all of this, I, I think I might have glossed over a little bit more, but I feel like this is enough to kind of give you guys an idea of where I'm coming from and what the thing with codependency is I swear you'd think these were cuts. Nope, this is just my brain hard pivoting. With codependency, when you start to realize its effects on you, you realize that you don't know who you are because who you are is predicated on your relationship to that person or group that you are codependent with. And Asking yourself what truly makes you happy, really just sitting and feeling in your body because you'd be surprised, man. You just, you think of a thought that doesn't serve you and there's something in your body that's going to tell you that this is not for you. And then you think of something else and there's going to be something in your body that goes, oh my goodness. I think I like that. And this is going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of silence. It's going to take a lot of uncomfortability because sitting in those moments of unsuredness is painful. That is where I sat for so long, dude. I, had, I didn't know what my next move was. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what I should be doing or what I shouldn't be doing. But what I did was I just kept going. I kept being, I kept trying as much as I could to open, to let my thoughts run and to look at them and be curious about them and figure out what is serving me and, and what part of my ways of thinking aren't serving me and how can I change them and what is going on in my life that I'm just going to have to be okay with and what are some other things that I can change. And that's why I'm in Colorado now, because one of those things that wasn't serving me was Los Angeles in general. Being in that space hurt me. I, that's, that's the only way I know how to put it. Like I, Every time people ask me how Colorado is, I get so happy, man, because... And I, I, I'm... It feels like I am here. I don't know how else to describe it. When I felt like I was trapped in LA, I felt like it, it was just 
it was draining my soul. But in Colorado, man, it feels like I've lived here my whole life. Even during the crazy snowstorms during the last few days, I legitimately walked to go get food in the snow when it was 10 degrees. And I was so peaceful. I felt such joy. It felt like I was there all along. It felt like this was where my life actually began. It feels like this is where my life began. In October, it feels like this is... Wow, man. When you finally get in tune with you, yourself, when you finally allow yourself the time, the space, the trust to hurt, to let your feelings flow through, to learn about, not only learn about your feelings in a meditative or therapized way, but learning about yourself through books. Atlas of the Heart is the most incredible book already, and I'm only 30 pages in by Brene Brown. Honestly, all three of those, both uh, Untamed and Man Enough, and then Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. I feel like those two are such a beautiful, or those three are such an incredible trifecta to have together because with Untamed and Man Enough, you learn or you are made a veil to all of the ways in society that we are told to be a certain way or to not be a certain way or to fit in here or to stay quiet here or X, Y, or Z, man. From the time we're born, we are not taught how to be our truest selves. We're taught to be the self that everyone and the world wants us to be. And through Man Enough, through Untamed, I was able to learn so much about myself. I was able to figure out that even how I was dressing in LA, the the idea that, oh dude, I have to I have to be dressed up because if I'm going to the if I'm going to Ralph's, who knows who's gonna see me there and I always have to make sure that my hair is good because who knows if a casting director is gonna be there and I always have to make sure like I I have to and I have to make sure that I have a softer voice and I say hi to everyone because you know I'm bigger here and and people might think that I'm trying to be a dick or being overbearing or blah 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 blah. That is exhausting, man. It's exhausting worrying about everyone else's perceptions and and hopes for you and expectations of you. But once you shed the expectations, what Justin says is once you shed that armor and you are a a vulnerable nerve to the world, that vulnerable nerve shows you what it likes and what it doesn't like, what fuels it, what makes it happier, what makes it sad, what makes it feel at peace. And that is where Atlas of the Heart comes in because then. What Brene Brown does is she goes through the 87 emotions and experiences that we as humans go through. And so what it does is by that, it gives you the language to speak about how you're feeling because a lot of the things that I was feeling during Man Enough and uh, reading Man Enough and Untamed were just, I I, I would get what would be angst, just a general feeling in my chest. 
when there would be something that wouldn't work for me. And I wasn't able to figure out the language of angst versus stress versus worry versus uh, all the other things that we experience as human beings. And so by reading this, I'm able to give myself clear language to be able to label the things that I'm feeling so that I know how to process what I'm going through. And then that can tell me what the next step is in that healing, right? So I'm hoping, I, I feel like I always end these episodes by saying, I hope that made sense. Um, because it made sense to me, man. And I guess I, I also, I don't know. I record these how I like to listen to them. And that's just full conversation, no cuts, no edits, just a train of thought. Now, maybe I need to start writing some notes down. And I hope that uh, if that's the case, please be kind in your comments and let me know uh, how I should go about doing that. Um, but one of the beautiful things that I actually received was uh, some questions because a, a friend knew I was doing this episode and she's always had questions about my journey. And so I thought that this would actually put into perspective some of the things that I talked about that might have not made as much sense uh, when I was talking about my upbringing. And if you have questions yourself, I actually want to do an episode with Shelly because Shelly is such an, a wise and amazing human being. And I would love her perspective of us going through that journey, still living together and her going through he her healing and her sobriety while I'm going through my healing and healing my codependency trauma. And I feel like there could be a lot to learn from that conversation. So I'm going to do a podcast with her. So look out for that. Hopefully in the next month or so, I can wrangle her in for that. Other than that, I would love to know if you guys have any comments on this. Now, again, I am not, I need to stop saying again because I've never said it at least today. I've said it before, but I'm not a therapist. I'm not an expert. I'm just someone who's gone through life and feels like I have a perspective to offer the world. So I, uh, I hope you guys are, are taking that for its two cents. I might not be right on everything, but I'm just trying to learn and grow and model a journey of imperfection. And that's one of the things that my jujitsu professor said tonight was he is just on a journey of imperfection. And I am going to steal that and use it for the rest of my life because that's what it is. It's a journey of growth. It's a journey of learning. And if it's a journey of perfection, then you're never going to grow. And you got to grow to know Mo. This is one of the times I wish I could cut things. Anyways, so um, first question. What sort, uh, sorts of traits did I learn in my upbringing? Positive and negative. I'm actually, it's so good that this question was asked because I feel like I didn't really go into detail of the positive and negatives that I experienced. Um, the positives were my mother was such a loving human being that my kindness my just general outlook of wanting people to be happy and, and trying to make people's day and make them laugh and smile. That is what I got from my mom. She was a very outgoing woman. She was very kind. And uh, that is... That's probably one of the things that the most beautiful things that I was able to take away from that. I mean, also a positive that I took away was during our childhood, she had a very, very, very high stress job 
she was the VP of marketing for a memory company. She ended up having to go on to disability due to stress and depression from her employer. And it's that in my own real life. And then Jim Carrey's commencement speech where he mentions his dad. And I feel so connected to this because it's my mom always, I shouldn't have bounced around, but in my own way, I'll, I'll just bring this back to my mom because you can watch Jim Carrey's com, uh, commencement speech and you probably heard it already. Anyway, I'm going to say words. My mom always was, you know, she talked about she wanted to be an actress. She was an athlete. She was a photographer. She wished she would have continued during, uh, doing photography, but she didn't. She chose this job and guess where it ended her? Yeah, it, it afforded us a beautiful life, but it caused so much trauma that I refused to work in an office. I refused to do a job that I didn't want to do. And ever since I was young, I knew I wanted to be an entertainer. I knew I wanted to act. That was what it was primarily. I would put on plays. And so a positive of seeing that negative in her life was knowing that I wanted different for myself. Also, my family has had struggles with weight. My grandfather passed due to being a very, very large gentleman. Um, And with that, that's also pushed me to make sure that I'm paying a little bit more attention to what I'm eating and still continuing to be active and keep my body healthy because that's the last thing I don't want to go down that path because I know how easy it's been for those in my gene pool to do the same. And that is something that I don't want for myself because I've seen it and it's not fun. Um, and then, I mean, some of the negatives, I, I wasn't modeled healthy uh, interpersonal relationships. My mom had one or two best friends, but other than that, I was who she hung out with. And that's, that's one of those things where I don't blame my mom for anything that happened in my childhood. She literally was doing the best that she did based on what she was modeled growing up. And I already have a very pretty damn good understanding of why my mother was the way that she was and why we had that close relationship and it was even extra codependent than it could have been or uh, might've been with just a, I don't know. I guess you can't say that there's a normal, Um, but I know why my mom was the way that she was. And so I feel like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't pushed to do many different things because again, we were codependent. So she wanted me to be happy. I got to choose what was on the radio for the most part. I got to choose what we watched for, TV and movies. And because we had the similar, we were, she only, we only watched what we liked. Like there wasn't, it's not like I really picked anything that she didn't like. It was always rom-coms, comedies, and maybe on occasion we would watch an action movie. And that would be the one time where it's like, I win this. But for the most part, I wasn't pushed to try new things. I wasn't pushed to eat healthy. I wasn't pushed to read. There are certain things that it would have been nice, you know, I, I wouldn't say that they were negatives because again, I figured them out, you know, we all can't have perfect childhoods. So as much as I want to say they were negative, I'm still, it's only negative if you're able to, if you're not able to grow from them. And I've been able to grow from everything that I've unearthed. So in, in a way, there's not as many negatives as, as you can think. Yeah, it would have been lovely to have had healthier eating habits modeled for me. It would have been great to know how to be friends and how to make how to have friendships a little bit easier but i get to do that when i'm a, when i was an adult or now that i'm an adult so 
Um, yeah, that's, that's, those are my positive and negatives. Uh, so next question was, what's a pivotal moment? Again, positive or negative that impacted who I am? I mean, I don't have to go back into this one because I would say the breaking up of my relationship, that was an extremely, extremely pivotal moment. And then I would say the next pivotal moment would be moving on my own uh, into my own apartment after that. And then next step, moving out to Colorado. Um, and again, I wouldn't say there were any negative moments. Like, uh, they're all able to grow. So I, I, I don't know. It's maybe, maybe it's the fact that my perspective is already shifted on the growth aspect. So I don't see them as negative. But I, I mean, if there's any, mo the most negative one would be how my breakup transpired. Am I happy it happened? One million percent. We will both tell you that it is exactly what was supposed to happen in the world. We were not supposed to be together. We were supposed to be friends. We were friends who just happened to live together uh, for an extra year or so. Um, and yeah, that's, that, that changed everything for me. That was the beginning of, that was the first time that I really decided to choose myself. That was the first time where I said, fuck, this is not working for me. I need to choose me. And that was, that was that, dude. Um, and, you know, the next question is, what was the best the thing about having a single parent? Same for the worst. Same question as before. Um, best thing was... That's a tough one. I mean, because here's the thing. I, oh, I never ended up talking about my parents. Oh, shit. I really, I began the entire podcast with that and then never continued that. Okay, so let me just, let me just tell you guys that. So uh, the long story short, amazing story with my parents. It wasn't, I forgot. I totally alluded to the fact that it was an awesome story. And then I just said, my dad left. That wasn't supposed to be the story. So what happened was my dad left. My mom raised me, thick stepdad, fuck that guy. Then cut to junior year of college. Um, my mother is texting me and she's like, hey, um, would you have any interest in talking to your dad? And I'm like, what? She's like, well, he has gotten his divorce uh, and we have actually been talking again. We've actually been talking just about every single day. Cut to my parents start dating again. They, uh, I actually get to meet my dad for the very first time, my junior year of college. He's a long haul truck driver. So I got to meet him at a waffle house near my campus. I then go home for Christmas. My dad, uh, asks my permission to marry my mom. They get married on new year's. And, uh, the sad part is now they're divorced, but if you cut it before the divorce part, it's a pretty good story. Right. So I think I think that was worth 39 minutes of the podcast to finally get the story that I started with. This is I, I probably should start writing stuff down. I don't know. I, what do you guys think? R leave a comment. Should I should I be more organized or is this OK? Because I'm OK with it. I'm, again, I'm just being me. But I do realize this is a business and organization would maybe help a little bit. But again, I you know, who am I who am I to tell? So yeah, that's, so now that you guys know that, 
I don't know what it's like to have two parents. So in a way, I like I can tell you, I, I can only I don't know. Like I because my mom and I had such a good relationship, she always she for the most part always said yes. So I guess the best part was it was never a uh, go ask your mom. It was mom and she would mostly say yes. That was that was really it. Other than that, like we were just good friends. We were very good friends. And it, it, like in an un unhealthy way, we had a little bit, uh, there was a little bit too much enmeshment in, uh, in like the details of knowing about finances and just adult things that you usually don't talk to your children about. Those are usually spousal things. Well, she didn't have the spouse. So I turned into that, into that uh, secret keeper in a way, which not great for a child, but I also didn't realize what the hell was going on at the time. So. Yeah, man, it like, I don't know. Everything was, if you will, good about having a single parent. Because again, well, not again. I was fortunate in the fact that my mom was a, able to do well enough that yes, she ended up going um, on disability due to stress and depression, but my mom didn't work for like half of my growing up. She was always home. So she was, she was the sports mom. The, the football mom, the volleyball mom, always helping out doing that stuff, which again, we could tell that that might not have been the healthiest thing. Um, but that was always really cool to have my mom there. So I think that was, it was really cool to have someone there, to have a parent there, right? Because it could have been a situation where I could have had a single parent who wasn't there, who didn't want to be involved, who felt that I was a reason their life was X, Y, or Z, but I guess I got the good trauma where my mom just wanted to be around me and, and support me and love me and all that I did. And so I think that was a beautiful, beautiful thing um, that I was able to benefit from for sure. Uh, and then next question, what are some of my best memories growing up? <sighs> Volleyball tournaments, probably. I'd have to say that growing up, um, I loved... I love competing. I love sports. Ah, oh, dude, I'm actually going to go ahead and fucking just switch it up and lie. My best memories growing up are video games. Are playing video games with my friends in my living room for hours and hours. My Tom used to always give me shit. For those of you who don't tune into stream as much, one of my best friends, his name is Dom, and we've been best friends since freshman year of high school, so 15 years now. And... uh I used to drag him over to my house, set up an extra, con he'd bring over his console, I'd have an extra TV, we'd land it up, and we'd just play wars, uh, we'd play Call of Duty, we'd play Modern Warfare 2, uh, Modern Warfare, Black Ops, Black Ops 2, those were the main ones during high school, and we would play those the entire weekend, and he would call me the laziest athlete he ever knew, because if I wasn't playing football or volleyball, in practice or some form, I was playing video games. Like that was it. I didn't do anything. I didn't want to go to the beach. I, I had one summer where I went to the beach, but otherwise video games with the homies, man, that was it. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And then, um, my, yeah, the, the final question that Heather puts in here, which was, uh, who was my first love? And I, you know, I gotta be honest. My first love was Shelly, man. That was it. I thought that was it, but I also know that a part of that love was the codependency was that I have someone who 
is gorgeous, who's smart, who's funny, who also wants to be around me. So a part of me is always, I've always loved her. And I think, yeah. And it, it switched from romantic to, I mean, she's just one of my best friends and mentors at this point. Like I, I look up to her and I, I respect her advice and her opinion so much that I'm so thankful that she's in my life. And so, uh, yeah, that would probably be it. But now, I, I mean, you said first love, but now I'm almost wondering if it's myself. In a non-egotistical, non-vain way, I've never loved myself, I, I, I realized. I loved the self that other people loved, but that wasn't the love that I was getting from me solely. It was based upon everyone else's acceptance of me or whatever that reaction was in a positive way. That was what made me feel loved as opposed to it coming from myself. So getting out to Colorado has made me love me. And I would now say in the healthiest way possible that I love me. And I have the healthiest relationship with love and with someone that I love ever, which is started with me and is now all of my friendships. My friendships are, in, are so full of love and so full of the healthiest boundaries and acceptance that I have ever faced in my entire life. So now my life is love. My, my life is predicated on doing what I love, doing what makes me happy doing what brings me peace and knowing that everything else is going to kind of work itself out based on that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hope that you guys enjoyed this one. I had an absolute blast getting to shoot this, getting to film this. And I hope you guys were able to take away from this. And, uh, I truly hope that you guys have more questions because I would love to talk a little bit more about this if you guys want to hear it so let me know leave a comment make sure you guys are subscribing rating these wherever you listen to it whether it's google spotify apple youtube i greatly appreciate you guys for tuning in thank you thank you thank you man this has been a, a little bit about my journey of healing i hope you guys were able to take something away from it and again i i just thank you guys for listening and tuning in every week for these so, uh, yeah, man, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, night, morning, whatever it is that you're doing as you're listening to this. And, uh, this has been another episode of the, what the fluff podcast. And remember you guys are only as awesome as you treat other people. All right. I will catch you guys next Friday for another episode. Good night.